Welcome to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan, and thank you so much for joining us today. We know that uh, there's so many other things going on, so many other things you could be listening to right now, but you have decided to listen to what God has in store for you on this podcast. So we just pray and ask that God would bless you in this sermon Thank you again for joining us. Don't forget, you are part of the Rock Creek Family Church family. Happy Father's Day to all of you dads. Thank you for being the dads that you are, the men of faith, the men of integrity, the men of God that you are. I appreciate you from from one heart of a father to another. I know that it is not easy to do. It's not easy to live a life of integrity when the rest of the world says, ah, who cares about it? Just do whatever you want to do. But yet we have men of integrity and men of faith in this room. Thank you for being a man of faith. Thank you for putting God first. Thank you for seeking the face of God. Thank you for worshiping. Thank you for praying. Thank you for building. Thank you for loving. Thank you for handshakes. And thank you for integrity. Thank you for looking people in the eye and being honest. Thank you for standing up for what is right. Thank you for standing up for what is righteous. Thank you for being men of honor and truth and integrity. Thank you for doing what is right whenever it's so, so much easier to do whatever is not right. Thank you. Thank you. It's hard. It's hard to be a man of God. It's hard to be a man of God, and and it's getting harder just because the world is not making it any easier. But we have good news. Every single thing that you do as a man of God, nothing is wasted. Nothing is wasted. Everything you do is sown into eternity. Everything you do, you will get a reward for. And I'm not just talking the, the, the monetary stuff, which is oftentimes what we look for. But what, just think about what a reward it's going to be. What a reward it's going to be for you to stand in front of the supreme being of the entire universe. The Creator God, the one who orchestrated everything. Stand in front of Him with Jesus Christ by your side. And as you kneel before Him, He takes His enormous hands, His powerful hands, and He reaches down and lifts your head to where you can see Him face to face and says, well done. Well done. In today's lingo, good job. Way to go. I'm proud of you. So proud of you. Can you imagine those same words that created all of this from nothing is going to speak over you. Well done. Good job. I would love to be able to, in that moment, speak back to Him and say, no, good job, you. Good job, God. Good job, you, Heavenly Father, because you're the one that did really all of the work. You're the one that took me and molded me and made me who I am. You're the one 
that has done all of this. So good job. You're the one that has built me. You're the one that's brought me through things that has molded me and shaped me. You're the one that either allowed something into my life or didn't allow it into my life. All for the purpose and purposes of drawing me closer to You so that I may be better at shining Your image off of me into this world that needs, needs it so dearly. So I don't know about you, but when God tells me, well done, I think I just want to turn back and give, it, give that back right back to Him and lay that at His feet, that crown, and say, no, well done. Well done, my, my Savior. Well done, my God. You're the one that has done this. But it does make me think about something that I read. Um, it's a prayer by General Douglas MacArthur that wrote it during the beginning stages of the Pacific War. He writes, Build me a son. Build me a son, O Lord, who will be strong enough to know when he is weak and, and brave enough to face himself when he's afraid. One who will be proud and unbending in honest defeat and humble and gentle in all of his victories. Build me a son whose wishes will not take the place of his deeds. A son who will know thee and that to know himself is the foundation stone of knowledge. Lead him, I pray, not in the path of ease and comfort, but under the stress and spur of difficulties and challenges. And there, let him learn to stand up in a storm. There, let him learn to have compassion for all of those who fail around him. Build me a son whose heart will be clear, whose goal will be high, a son who will master himself before he seeks to master other men, one who will reach into the future and yet never, ever forget the past. And after all of these things are his, I pray enough of a sense of humor so that he may always be serious but yet never take himself too seriously. Give him humility that he may always remember the simplicity of true greatness, the open mind of true wisdom, and the meekness of true strength. And then, and only then, I, as his father, will dare to whisper, then I have not lived in vain. About so much more, you know, as a dad, that's kind of the first thing that you really realize after you get past the fear of um, realizing that you're going to be raising whoever it is that you're raising. And after you get over the, the, the fear of the responsibility of it, and then just about the time you get over the fear of the responsibility of it, then you have the, the, to get over the stink of the diapers. Right? And just about the time you get over that, life stinks sometimes, doesn't it? And just about the time you get over that, you really realize, wow, this is not about me anymore, is it? 
And it's really not about me. It's really about something so much greater, something that will live on. And so this is what I mean by what I say. Everything you do will live on. Everything. Amen? Amen. Amen. Happy Father's Day, guys. Happy Father's Day. If you have not already got your gift, make sure you get it before you leave. All right. Speaking of fathers, speaking of fathers and sons in this relationship and the building of that, I want to go to a very famous, very familiar passage of Scripture. And I want to look at this and speak to you for just a couple of minutes on the friendship is first. The friendship is first. Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. As you're turning in your Bible to Genesis 22, we are going to start reading at verse 1. And we're actually going to read all the way down to verse 18. Can you all handle that much scripture? All right. Three of you, the rest of you are like, whatever, let's just get it done. Right? All right. Hey, I missed you guys. We had a great trip, but I didn't, didn't miss you guys. Didn't miss being here. All right, Genesis 22, and if you can handle it, all 18 verses there, we're actually going to throw one more. As a bonus, James 2.23, James 2.23, again, as you're turning there, I'm about to get ahead of myself here, I do have a couple of announcements, and that is, we are still all on go for our 4th of July service, it's just a couple of weeks away. Um, so we are looking forward to that, having a good time there. Um, that is, again, going to be a night service. So don't forget, we're going to be doing something a little different. And hey, if you get up and get ready and you want to come that morning, go ahead. Uh, you can preach before I ever get here. So go ahead. Just, just If you want to, that's fine. We'll just be delayed in, in how long we get here. We are going to start at 5 o'clock that evening. All right. So Sunday, July the 4th, 5 o'clock. Turn your neighbor and say, 5 o'clock. Five o'clock is when we were going to have that evening service, not having a morning service. Five o'clock. I say that. I know y'all sound, look at me like I'm sounding redundant because I promise you somebody, maybe not in this room, but somebody will ask me, text me, call me or whatever. Say, now what time are we going to have Sunday service on the fourth? Are we going to do morning or are we going to do evening? Someone will ask. So just to let you know, turn to your neighbor and say, evening service. I got all day. Turn to your other neighbor and say, evening service. Turn to yourself and say, five o'clock. Five o'clock. There you go. Give yourself five. Uh, five o'clock. We are going to have our service. We're going to have a baptism immediately following that. And then we're going to have a fish fry and some games and stuff immediately following that. So we are looking forward to a really, really good time of, of service and fellowship, fellowship with the Lord, fellowship in baptism, and then fellowship in food. And can we say amen to that? Amen. amen. It's bikini wearing season, so that day all calories won't count. We'll be praying for that. All right, we'll be praying for that. So if you would like to bring something, help out or whatever, there is a sign-up sheet there in the the foyer area, that hallway area there at the table. There's a sign-up sheet there. We are also going to need a few volunteers, okay? Uh, We're going to need about four or five that are willing to cook. They'll be starting that a little bit earlier during the service, so they're going to need to help do that and get some food prep going. 
Then I'm going to need at least three or four, at least three servers if you'd like to help out in that way so that when as people go through the line you can help out serving food in that capacity Um, i'm also going to need probably just for the sake of space and everything we might need to move like one section of chairs immediately that after that service so may need some help in that in that area as well so just kind of give you a heads up so yes we are going to feed you fish but we're going to make you work for it Amen. Um, also, uh, if just in case you have any, um, if you want to bring any games, like any kind of, of a bago or ladder toss, or anything like that, just let me know, and we'll make sure we get an area for that to be set up so we can do some of that good stuff. All right. Oh, also, with that, we will be having Children's Church on that day, okay? I know it's the first Sunday little off, a little different, but we will still have children's church on that day. So the boys back there said amen, right? All right. Good deal. All right. I think that is all of our announcements. Here we go. Let's, let's dive into this. Let's get, let's get to work. Let's get going on this. Genesis 22, starting in verse 1. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place for which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and he will come back to you and we will come back to you so abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on isaac his son and he took the fire in his hand and the knife and the two of them went together but isaac spoke to abraham his father and said yo pops uh what's going on abraham looked back and said What is it, bud? And he said, well, I see the wood. I see the fire. I see you carrying your good knife. The one you usually use when we're about to eat lamb chops. Um, But where is the lamb chops? Where are the lamb chops? Where's the sheep, dad? Where's the one that's going to be on the burnt offering? Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went on together. (laughs) What a crossroads. Right? What a crossroads for all three of them involved. Three? Yeah. Three. The Lord, 
Abraham and Isaac. And then they came to the place which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its thorns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing, I will bless you and multiply, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and the sand which is on the seashore and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Whew, that was a big breath. James 2.23. And this is like, ah, we've come to the payoff. James 2.23. If you want, you can read a little more of it a little later. Um, I'll dive into more of it later, but I just want to hit this high point right here. James 2.23, and the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. What a title to have. Father, Father God, we ask, we ask the Spirit of the living God to come and anoint whatever is said and done from this time forward. May it be done to bring glory to your name. May it be done to shine a light on you. Father, take the spotlight off of any of us and let's focus on you. God, how much we need you. How much we need you. But I want to thank you because you knew how much I needed you before I ever came. You called yourself provider before I ever saw your provision. Thank you. Lord, have your way. Have your way in this word. Have your way in this place. Have your way in our heart. Have your way in our mind. Have your way in this Father's Day because you are exactly that. Our Heavenly Father. And we give you praise for it all. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. What a heavy passage of Scripture, even though everyone in here most likely has either read it or heard it at some point in time. And you may not have really dug down deep enough to get to all the intricacies of this passage of Scripture, but you may have heard that there was this moment in time in which a man by the name of Abraham was called by God nonetheless, called by God to deliver up his son back to the God that called him out. Let me explain just a little bit more. We know that about 25 years earlier, can we backtrack 25 years for just a couple of minutes? 25 years earlier, God shows up to a man by the name of Abram and says, I want you to get your stuff I want you to pack it up and I want you to follow me. I want you to get out of that land and I want to bring you to a place that I have for you to bless you and to provide for not just you. It will be, it will be so, such a tremendous blessing that that blessing will not be something you can contain within your own self. It will have to be passed down. How many of you would like to be blessed in such a way where it would be such a blessing you would have to actually pass it down to keep it going because there would just be that much of it? All right? Good. God calls Abram out of the place called Ur of the Chaldeans. A a paganistic, heathenistic place full of of all kinds of polytheistic worship. uh, Full of, of, of... Things that did not honor God. For whatever reason, we don't know. God looked upon Abram and saw that there was something to him enough to say, Hey, I want you to walk with me. I want you to talk with me. I want you to know that I am yours and you are mine. I'm wanting a relationship with you. Now that is good news because Jesus comes about a few thousand years later to do the same thing. To show up and the first people that He shows up to are not the religious people. They're not the people that have it quote unquote all together. But He shows up to, to, to show Himself and to ask Himself first to a bunch of people that don't have it all together. A bunch of people we learned about two Wednesday nights ago uh, that were just people of the land, people that struggled, people that worked, people that were that were blue collar, people that were just trying to get by from one day to the next, people that were just getting up on Monday and saying, what can I do to survive to get to the weekend, right? And God and Jesus shows up to them and says, hey, I've got a proposition for you. Leave your nets and come follow me. Leave your tax collector booth and come follow me. Come walk with me. Come talk with me. Come let me share you the mysteries of the kingdom of God with you. Let's do this thing together. Have you ever just been in awe of the fact that God Almighty who could do this at, a, at, at a, just a snap of the fingers actually enjoys doing it with you? Right? He actually enjoys working with you. 
It's crazy, I know. It's crazy. It's kind of like why I like to coach baseball. I like to work with those kids. It's the parents that drive me nuts. Right? I like to work with them. I like to sew into them. I like to take them at one stage and watch them get to another stage. It's fun. Now, it doesn't sound like fun a lot of times. And I know one day I'll probably be kicked out of the Optimus Park because I still think that there's only one way to get to some kids and it's by actually getting to them. <laughs> and sometimes it takes a yell, sometimes it takes a lap around the field, sometimes it takes throwing a bat at them. No, I'm just kidding. I don't do that yet. <laughs> so in the process, my point is, in the process of all of that, it really looks like a struggle. Have y'all ever just sat and watched a practice go on. How many of you that have had kids and you've seen those kids go through practice and there are some things that the coach is saying and you're like, whoa. <laughs> I had some coaches that, that would say lots of things that would, that would not allow that moment to be PG rated. <laughs> All right? And, and, and I grew up in a time in which not every kid got a trophy. Oh my goodness, y'all are silent. You turn to your neighbor and say, I'll make it through this. <laughs> All right? I, I grew up in a, in a time and a season in which not every kid got a trophy. Why? Because the coach wanted to instill something in this that, that we don't receive that mark unless we bust our rear end all the way to get to that mark. And then even in times when you bust everything you can bust and you get to the end and you still don't get the trophy you still actually got something greater and more important than that trophy ever was in the first place you got something down inside of you some knit and some grit that says let's work this out let's keep going let's keep moving forward let's face an obstacle let's face, face something and let's put our head down and let's bulldoze our way through it and do whatever it's got to take it doesn't look real fun in that moment of coaching and and those things. Just like sometimes there are moments as being a dad doesn't look real fun. It doesn't. But there's something more going on here. The fun is watching the growth and the maturity. The fun is watching them move from one stage to the next and being able to handle that next stage. Right? Easton and I, we're about to handle the next stage. He got behind the wheel yesterday and drove all over the place. <laughs> we're about to handle that next stage. And it is in that stage that I want him to know not everybody gets a trophy in that stage. <laughs> that you really got, have to purposely persevere. And you know what? This passage of Scripture, it looks kind of rough at first. It looks really hard at first. I'm not going to lie. There's been times that 
I read that scripture and I scratched my head and said, why, Lord? Why? Why, God, why would you do it this way? Going back 25 years earlier, he didn't just call Abram out. He didn't just pick Abram out because he, he looked good and he had, a, he had the right haircut and the right personality. He actually had, didn't have the things that he thought he needed that God was calling him to do. Wait a minute, let me explain. God called him out to create a brand new nation of people. And God says, I'm going to use your children to do it. I'm going to use your son to do this. And Abram's like, wrong dude. (laughs) You got the wrong guy because I'm 75 years old and I don't have a child. I don't have a kid. I don't have a son. I've not been able to get that one blessing in my life the way that everyone else has been able to get it. God says, that's because I'm not finished with you yet. Calls him out and in that act of faith where he begins to walk with him. And that act of faith was not just a one step. It began with one step, but it wasn't just a one step. I want to encourage you today. You may have taken one big step recently toward God. I'm going to encourage you. That is awesome. That is great. I am proud of you. In fact, I would dare say, I hear the voice of the living God say, I am very proud of that one step. But here's what God is doing now. He's like, come on, come on. Because where you are right now is not where God's going to leave you. The things you're going through right now is not, that's not your destiny. There's more. God's not finished. Turn your neighbor and say, God's not finished with me yet. Jill's going to get up and sing. He's still working on me here at the altar. Call. No, you said you were early. No, okay. (laughs) God's not finished. God brought Abram out 25 years later. Baby, how many of you have waited for 25 years for a promise from God? I get impatient with I get impatient at the second window, if you know what I'm talking about. I see the little clock up there ticking. I've been sitting here for three and a half minutes. Come on. Starving to death here. I may waste completely away before I get my bean burrito. Hurry up. We get so impatient when things don't move in our time. I know. But when you step over and work with God, you're on his time now. And before you freak out about that, I want you to understand this. God's time is eternal. So when you step over into his time frame, you step over in a whole different way of doing things that says everything you now do on this path, you're going to be going, walking, purposely, principally walking this out forever. You get to now walk with God forever. Forever. Now some of you are old enough to that sinks in. I'm getting there. 
Everybody says it's middle age. I don't know if that means the top of the mountain or not. I ain't got a clue because I still feel like I got a long ways to climb. And I don't know if the other part of that middle age, the other half, is that a slide downhill that I need some really thick pants for? Or is that a harder climb going up that I'm going to need lots of help with? Y'all are looking at me like both. Great. (laughs) Thanks. 25 years later, baby. Yay. Isn't this exciting? Baby, finally here. Woohoo! Let's celebrate. Baby becomes teenager ish. We don't know exactly how long, but we just know at some point in time, at a time in which Isaac had some form of accountability. I'll go over that in just a second, but he had some form of account- accountability. God says, Okay, Abraham, take that promise, that most precious thing to you, the thing you've waited for forever, the thing that says every time you look at it, it speaks praise, it speaks worship, the very thing when you get up in the morning and you hear him get up, that your heart jumps and says, oh, that's the thing that I recognize God more than anything moving in my life in this one thing, this one moment. And God says, yes, now give it back to me. Give it back to me. And and as tempting and as easy it would have been for Abraham to go, okay, Lord, he's yours, and then step back and say, God, do with him whatever you want. That's not what God had in mind. That's not the plan and the purpose with this. Because you got to understand the purpose was this for this was to teach a provisional principle that wherever true worship is, there God will provide. Jesus shows up later, many moons later than this, with a woman who's been struggling with relationships her whole life, sitting on a well. And that relationship struggle comes out as a spiritual struggle when she asks Jesus, where's the real place to worship? My my kinfolk say, here in the mountain." But all you Jewish people, you say down there in the temple, you tell me where. Jesus, as only Jesus can do, shows up and says, you don't really know what worship is, do you? For the hour has come and now is. When true worshipers worship in spirit and in truth. Truth. How good are you at truly coming to the Lord? Man. Y'all okay? I can see better now. So I can see your wheels spinning better up here than I could in the other room. And by the way, I see, see some blankets being pulled. Everybody say, praise God for air conditioner. Don't make us shut it down. <clears throat> we give God praise that He is moving us step by step. Amen? Amen. I digress. Let's move back. How good are we at truly coming to the Lord? 
I mean, coming to Him in such a way where there's nothing between me and Him. Constantly. Constantly. What a freeing place to be. What a freeing place to be. Abram, Abraham in this case, who is a hundred years old, plus whatever, however old Isaac is, maybe 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, probably about the same age where Abraham tells him every day to pick up his clothes. And the parents say amen. You're like, the hamper's right here. Your clothes are right here in the floor. Your hamper's right here. Your clothes are right here in the floor. Your hamper is right here. Maybe Abraham, no wonder why Abraham said, sacrifice him, let's go. (laughs) Don't worry, boys. I haven't built an altar in the backyard. You're all right. (laughs) Yet. (laughs) I'll build an altar and it'll be made of hamper parts. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, the point is, is that Abraham is now 100 plus years old. Isaac is of an age of accountability. God says, hey, I want you to do this for me. And we read a text where Abraham didn't struggle with this. Did y'all pick up on that? How many of you have picked up on that? Where Abraham didn't like wrestle with God for 40 days and 40 nights over this. He didn't fast over this. He didn't even pray over this. I'm not saying he wasn't a man of prayer. He obviously had this relationship with God where God shows up and talks to him and says, let's do something together. And Abraham says, no matter how scary it is, okay, let's go. I think the part that was left out of here on purpose because Moses supposedly, most likely, wrote the book of Genesis and because Moses was a man, he left this part out on purpose. The scariest part of this whole moment right here was going back and telling Mama what was about to happen. Because Mamas, for some crazy reason, want details. Ladies, it's your permission to say amen. Y'all want details about things. Abraham is caught with God in such a way where when he goes back and tells mama, uh, me and the boys got to go somewhere. Where are you going? I don't really know. Okay. How long are you going to be there? I don't really know. How much stuff are you going to have to take with you? I don't really know. What are you going to do when you get there? I honestly don't exactly know. And if I really told you what I did know, you'd kick me out and burn me first. Right? I don't know. I don't know. Faith on everybody's part, wasn't it? How could Abraham get to a point where God says, let's go. And he says, okay. I'm giving up the most precious thing that I have. I don't exactly know what I'm going to do. I don't exactly know where I am going. 
I don't exactly know how Isaac's going to take this. Because he doesn't even tell Isaac until Isaac brings it up. Go figure. Halfway up the mountain. How does he get through all of this? Can I tell you the, uh, what I think? And it's connected with James 2.23. Maybe Isaac wasn't the most precious thing to him. And I know that's harsh when we make it sound like that, but maybe, maybe the gift was not as precious to him as the giver. And maybe that's the true place of provision. Maybe the true place of provision is not being surrounded by gifts. But the truest place of provision is being embraced by the giver. pausing for a reason. I want you to sink in. Because the $5 I give you right now for doing something for me, that'll be gone. That'll be gone before you know it. Come on, somebody say amen to that. I mean, have you not realized that you now can go to Walmart and spend $147.82 and walk out with two sacks? Right? It'll be gone before you know it. That gift will be gone. But the giver will always be. The legacy of the giver will never fade. And that's why I said the friendship comes first. That is why Abraham could put action with his faith. Because he had a friendship with the Lord... I spent a little time, I know, talking about 25 plus years. Why? Because it's the same as say, me and God have been walking together for 30 years now. And I know. I know. I know His nature. I trust His nature when I don't always trust His directions. And I know that if He being the good, good Father that He is has asked me to come to this point, then there must be something better for me to know about Him. God had already done an incredible miracle of birthing Isaac when he's a hundred years old and Sarah's around 90 years old. Here comes Isaac. God wakes Sarah's body up and produces life 
from death as a foreshadowing of what Jesus is going to do many years later. That's why God, when He shows up in Abraham's life right now, He says, take your son, your only son. No, no He wasn't Abraham's only son. Abraham had another son by the name of Ishmael. Y'all remember that? But Ishmael had just been kicked out of the house. Because Ishmael was taking advantage or trying to take advantage, making fun of, in some translations, of Isaac. And so Mama goes to Abraham one day and says, Hey, that little runt of a kid you've got, he keeps bullying my son. So that kid's got to go. Again, there was no argument. Why? Because he's a hundred years old. He didn't have time to argue anymore. And he says, yes, dear. And they pack up the camels and the donkeys and they send them out. And so really this your only son reference, what this really is is saying, he's the promise. When you look at him, you see me. When you stared at your baby Isaac for the first time in the eyes and he rolled those little blue eyes over and looked at you, you didn't see Isaac. You saw me. You saw what I can do with the hardest of things. At the hardest of times, you saw me. So that years later, when Jesus is baptized, God says, this is my only begotten Son. And that's why we all said amen whenever Abraham had this conversation with Isaac and said, I don't know how it's all going to work out, son, but there's one thing I know about my God. He provides. He provides. Maybe in ways I don't understand, but I know He provides. How many of you are here because God has provided in your life? Isaac, it's going to be okay. How do you know it's going to be okay, Dan? Because I know the one that led us out here. I know the one who called us. I know the one who spoke to us. I know the one who showed us. I know the one who was with us. I know him. I know him. Oh, I haven't been perfect. I've done some things wrong over the last 30, 40 years. But he's always been there. Every time. And He's right here with us now. And that's why I said, what a crossroad moment when they stopped halfway up the mountain and Isaac and Abraham look at each other and say, are we going to do this? Because you understand, Him being just big enough, I think He could wrestle a 140, 50-year-old man if He wanted to and run away. But Isaac looked at his dad and said, Dad, you know Him better than I do, so teach me something here. 
if I had time, I'd go, I'd go into the importance of that in this day, in this time, in this generation, in this age. We still need dads that can teach their children how to worship. Worship meaning not just music and dance, but worship meaning living a life that trusts God with everything that you have. We still need that. We still need that. Isaac says, Dad, teach me how to worship. And it's in that worship that they put God as a friend first that God provided. God wants to provide for you. There's something, there's some part of your life God wants to do something amazing in. I don't know what that is, but God wants to provide. And you have got to go through some things lately that did not make any sense. But when it's all said and done and you can, one day when you bow down, at the throne of grace and God lifts your head and says well done well done my friend it'll all make sense let's all stand Can we just take a moment and let that sink? Let that just sink in for a moment. Jill's going to come sing. He's still working on me. Oh, Steph says she'll play it. She's ready. One day, hey, you're going to be surprised when the spirit gets to moving and Jill and I both get up here and start singing to you guys. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be like watching Isaac being born at 125 years old, wouldn't it? <laughs> Something miraculous. <laughs> what is the most precious thing to you? This was not a degrading thing to Isaac. This was not Abraham looking at Isaac and saying, I degrade you. This was just saying, Isaac... For me to be the real dad that's going to teach you real worship, I can't worship you. I worship our provider. I worship you. What was the most precious thing that you have? Lay it at his feet. This morning, lay it at his feet. And watch what he could do with that. Watch how amazingly He can provide what you need. You need peace. You need Him to provide peace. Watch Him do it. Watch Him do it. That's why I asked you earlier, how many of you have seen God provide for you? And He'll do it again. And He'll do it again. How do I know? Because I've been walking with God for 30 years and I know. 
right? I've been walking with God for 40 years and I know. I've been walking with God for five years and I know. I've been walking with God. I've been talking with God. He's been talking with me. We've been getting this thing together. We're walking this out together and I know Him. I know Him. Father God, we thank You. I thank You out of faith for all of the stuff that I don't even understand yet. I thank you, Lord, that you are at work. You are moving, you are blessing, you are healing, you are touching, you're delivering, and even in times where we don't feel it, I know you're still at work. Lord, we trust your character in the midst of crazy times. And that the purpose for us to be in this moment right now is to put our friendship with you first. That today we recognize that the face of God determines where the hand of God extends. So Father, we seek your face. We seek your face. We seek your character. We seek we seek the identity of who you are. We seek to know you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen? Amen. Let's give God a hand of praise. God bless you. Go have a wonderful week. Thank you so much for listening to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan again, and we are so thankful and grateful for you to be here and join us. We ask that you would make sure that you subscribe so that you can catch other podcasts as they come out. Also, if you would rate it and comment, let us know how God has blessed you through this podcast. We love you. We thank you. Have a blessed day.